God, thank you that you are stronger than anything that could come against us in this life. I pray that we'd be encouraged this morning, uh, that you would draw us to yourself. I pray that you'd speak through Michael, you'd speak through your word. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. And good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. It is a, a pleasure to see each and every one of you this morning. Uh, thank you for uh, coming and, and being willing to worship and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, it may seem that we got our holidays backwards on that last song, um, maybe more of an Easter song uh, than a Christmas song, but, but we can't ever forget the purpose for which um, Christ came. As we look at a, a passage of Scripture this morning where our focus is on um, what many consider the first emperor in the Roman Empire, uh, Caesar Augustus, um, his strength, his power, the 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 might of that empire, we, we also need not forget that, um, that Christ is stronger than that as well. That second song that we sung, um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, the chorus, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. The command to rejoice, and then a future tense. Rejoice because something is going to happen. Hasn't happened yet. If you're the nation of Israel and you're looking for your Messiah, and yet the command to rejoice. That juxtaposition of those two things that I think sometimes, well, I sometimes have a hard time with. Rejoicing in something that I know is going to happen, but in the midst of life, when it hasn't happened yet, and when I'm dealing with the frustrations of life, that's a hard thing at times for us to rejoice because something will happen. Uh, sometimes it's easy when we hear good news. Oh, company's coming. We can rejoice in that. Um, but we look long term at the, at the return of our Savior. Part of what we celebrate in Advent is not only His first coming, but His second coming. The same message is, is true for us today. Rejoice, Christ Community Church. Your Savior will come again. And, and we will be with Him. And, and John writes in a passage right before what Chad read, um, and we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 as we continue looking at um, different characters from um, the Christmas story. Last week we looked at Zacharias in particular, and his wife Elizabeth this week, who said Caesar Augustus in Luke chapter 2. Um, you know, throughout history, mankind has found itself under some authority. Whether that was a, a dictator or an emperor or uh, a democracy, uh, a master, a boss... We all find ourselves under someone who has the authority or the ability or both to say, you're going to do this, whether you like it or not. And sometimes those things are inconvenient. Sometimes we'd rather not be obedient. Sometimes it's not only inconvenient, it's, it's a hardship. 
sometimes it's not only a hardship, it's, it may seem downright cruel. When an authority tells us we have to do something, um, just keep in mind that you're not alone. <laughs> that has happened since the beginning of time that we find ourselves under authority. What we need not forget, though, is, is whatever authority that is, whatever human authority that is that we find ourselves under, uh, that that person is under another authority, the authority of God. Um, God is in control, and, and we're not, and we, we can't fail to grasp that reality. It's like it was true for Zacharias, as we talked about last week, they were frustrated because they couldn't see what God was up to. They didn't know that His desire all along was to bless them through a son named John and they couldn't see it. And in their old age, in Elizabeth's barrenness, frustration and, and I just don't know what to think about God. As we said last week, we want promises, we want assurance and God deals in mysteries. And so it's, it's hard sometimes, especially it's hard sometimes when someone tells us what to do that brings hardship into our life. Look at Luke chapter 2. I'm just going to look at the first seven verses this morning of Luke chapter 2. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for your church. For these, my brothers and sisters. And I pray that you would, um, that you would bless our time this morning. That you would use your word to strengthen and encourage our faith. That you would allow us to see you more clearly. God, we confess that we come um, desiring to know more about you. And we are thankful that you have allowed us such a wonderful glimpse through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him on our behalf. Thank you for blessing us with, um, with life and with hope and with love, as we talked about this morning. So God, I pray as we spend time in your word this morning, as we spend time fellowshipping, as the kids spend time practicing later on to, uh, to, pr to present to us more truth next week. I pray that you would use this time to strengthen our faith. That in the midst of um, the inconveniences and the hardships of life, that we would look to you. That we would trust you. That we would rejoice in what you will do. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Caesar Augustus. This time, uh, probably the most powerful man in the world. If he says something, then it gets done. What's interesting is, he never 
took the title emperor for himself. He was, history tells us, for the most part, one of the good Roman emperors, even though he wouldn't have taken that title. A very shrewd man, very politically astute, uh, very kind. Inherited an empire, so to speak, from his uncle who adopted him as a son, Julius Caesar, who was killed in 44 B.C. Uh, Augustus, that time named Octavian, got together some friends of his uncles and ran out the bad guys. Over the next 10 or 15 years, that alliance fell apart as there was a power grab. The other two wanted more than, than Octavius was willing to give. And because he had money and lots of it, because he had a bigger army, because he had a lot of backing on his side, by 31 B.C., 13 years after he came to power, he was the sole ruler of a vast stretch of the world. And then immediately he said, I'm going to give all the power back to the Senate. This is a republic. It's not a dictatorship. I'm going to give it back. And then they in turn said, yeah, but there's still a lot of chaos. Why don't you rule? Why don't you stay in charge? Why don't you act as dictator until we get things working again? I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and five years passed and they said, well, would you keep doing it? Sure, but I'm not an emperor, just so you know. Y'all are still in charge. And over the course of the next several years, they continued to give him more power and more power and more power. Continued to give him what he asked for. And he expanded the Roman Empire almost double in size of what it was when his uncle was in power. Appointed kings to rule in his stead on the borders of his empire. And then in 21 B.C., the Senate conferred on him the title Augustus, Caesar Augustus, that meant illustrious one. It wasn't a political title, it was a religious title. You are the authority over all humanity, is what they meant when he said that. It was the beginning, the early stages. Again, Augustus wouldn't have probably said this, but it was the beginning of the emperor cult. After he died, he was elevated to God status and he was worshipped. He was probably worshipped during his lifetime as well. Caesar Augustus, emperor, the illustrious one. The one who is in control in authority over all humanity. And in about 4 B.C., he issued a decree. I want to count everybody. Who am I in control over and are they paying their fair share? Everybody needs to go back to the home of their ancestor and register so we can figure out where everybody's from. We want to count them. Mary and Joseph find themselves with Mary probably eight or nine months pregnant at this point in time, and needing to make a trip of about 60 miles. Ladies, how many of you would like to walk or ride on a donkey for 60 miles if you were nine months pregnant? Guys, how many of you would like to take a trip with a nine-month pregnant <laughs> wife? <laughs> Not only that, but Joseph had to take off work. Some of you know what that's like when you're forced to miss work. 
and you didn't choose that. It's out of your control. Someone says go and you got to go. And we learn later on as, as after Jesus is born and he's taken to the temple and they offer the, the sacrifice that's supposed to be offered that it's, it's the offering of someone who's poor. They didn't have a lot to begin with and yet there's this decree and they got to miss work and they got to travel. At the very least, this is inconvenient. Probably in the category of hardship. But they have no choice. They can't even vote him out of office in the next election. You think just having two parties is bad in this country. Try just having one. Right? He gets to make decisions whenever he wants to make decisions. And people, not just Mary and Joseph, are inconvenienced or given hardship all the time when things seem completely out of our control. And yet we know that Caesar Augustus issued this decree at the right time so that Christ would be born in a place called Bethlehem and not in a place called Nazareth. Bethlehem. Beit Lachem. The house of bread. So that the bread of life could come from that place according to prophecy. The most powerful person in the world, the ruler of all humanity, was being guided by someone greater. And we can't forget that. Especially when we're in the midst of difficulties and hardships. Granted, this, again, not the biggest hardship in the world, but it's, it's worse than your internet going down or the price of milk going up. Right? It's even worse, I think, than, than maybe not having your wishes fulfilled for something you really wanted to happen. And all of you, all of you have been in that situation before where somebody did something that affected you and you had no control. And the, the hope that we have from Christmas is that for Mary and Joseph, things turned out okay, didn't they? <clears throat> things turned out really well. The child was born. There weren't really any problems. Yeah, it wasn't comfortable. They didn't get to stay in a hotel. They got to stay in a cave. But that cave was big enough for shepherds to show up and, and, and bring encouragement to them. Would the innkeeper have allowed a bunch of shepherds to tromp in and make an announcement? My guess is no. But outside in the, in the elements with the animals, they felt at home and they were able to deliver to Mary and Joseph a reminder of what they knew. They weren't ignorant in all this, that God was up to something. But in the midst of what I can imagine Joseph being frustrated, Mary being put out, can we at least get a decent place to stay? God allowed reminders to come that I'm in control. 
And so a couple of lessons we need to, to think about this morning as we think about Christmas, as we think about us wanting to be in control of our lives, us wanting to make decisions, as we think about other people making decisions that affect us, as we think about the economy, we think about politics and we, we worry, or at least we're unsure, we need to be reminded that we are not in control and that's okay. The first lesson we need to learn is that we are not in control and that's okay. Because as Chad read, there is one who loves us enough to send his son for us to die for us that we might have life and he's the one that is in control. Granted, you and I and the people that are in authority over us are responsible for the decisions they make. They're responsible for the actions they take. We're responsible for the decisions and the actions we take. And in the grand mystery of, of God's sovereignty, He still holds us and them responsible and neither we or anybody else that's in power can thwart what God is going to do. And that should be comforting. While we are responsible, while people are responsible, we cannot thwart what God is up to. The second lesson, you and I do not see the big picture. As we said before, there's a mystery. There's a, a veil that has been partially lifted. Well, we know a whole lot more than, say, Isaiah did, though he saw a lot. We know a whole lot more than even Mary and Joseph did, even though they knew a lot. We know a whole lot more than the other prophets. And even Zacharias, who clearly portrayed what was going to happen, though I'm sure for him it was still a little fuzzy. And yet we still see dimly. We don't see the big picture. It's like, well, it's like if you looked at that banner hanging there and, and you got real close and were only looking at the part next to the D in God. It's black. And you were focused in on that and, and someone said, isn't that a, a beautiful hanging on the wall? No, it's bland and it's well it's rather ugly right sometimes that's all we see is the the dark part of the picture the part that has no color no contrast no beauty it's all we see and it's hard and it's frustrating because we we have we don't have the ability to see the bigger picture and so in the midst of that in the midst of us just seeing a small part of Reality, we tend to complain. We tend to not be content. We tend to get frustrated with people, and, and especially if it's someone else making the decisions that I'm affected, we tend to get bitter. It's just not fair. If I were in control, And there's a lot of things that we are in control about and we make poor decisions too that affect people. And they turn and look at us and go, why are they doing that? You know, none of you as parents, I'm sure, have, have ever 
caused your children to question your sanity. Right? We always make the right decision at the right time and your kids never look at you and go, well, that's real godly. They may not say it out loud, but I'm sure at some point in time have they, have they thought, is that, does that line up with what you talk about? With what you read in the Word? And so as we think about life, as we think about those that are in power over us, as we think about our hardships, our inconveniences because someone else made a decision, Robert Coleman says that God is not concerned about your comfort. He's concerned about your character. God is not concerned about your comfort. He's concerned about your character. Now, that doesn't mean He's not concerned about you. Think about Mary and Joseph again for just a moment. See, God had a purpose in life, and that purpose was to have His Son born in a certain place at a certain time. Do you ever think that Mary and Joseph were used for God's purposes? We don't like that word, to be used. I don't want to be used. I don't want someone to use me for their purposes. Did you ever think that God used Caesar Augustus for his purpose? Did you ever think that God used Zacharias and Elizabeth for his purposes? Did you ever think that God used Mary and Joseph, even in the midst of hardship, for his purposes? And if he's willing to do that for people that... Remember when the angel showed up to Mary? What did he say? That she was highly favored. If God would cause hardship and inconvenience for someone who He highly favored, you think we're immune to that? In fact, if you read through Scripture, it seems that a lot of people that God considered highly favored, that He, that he showed up in their lives, that He blessed them greatly, that He was willing to use them, that He was willing for them to undergo hardships and inconveniences for the sake of something better. You may say, well, maybe I don't want to be highly favored. <laughs> That's the way it's going to be. Ah, too bad. Because we, we learn that God so loved the world that He thought so much of humanity... And that includes each and every one of you individually. That He sent His only Son for us. And sometimes, and again, I, I don't know how it works, but God's sovereignty and our choices and our stubbornness sometimes that God brings hardship into our lives for the sake of somebody else. As He works on our character not our comfort. That other people may look at us and go, how in the midst of inconvenience and hardship and uncertainty do you still rejoice? 
as we sang. How is that possible? Are we willing to praise God for our discomforts, our inconveniences, our hardships? That someone else might get the meaning of Christmas. I'm going to say it again. Maybe we'll, we'll all learn it here eventually, right? God intervenes in the lives of men, and we'll add a phrase today, sometimes to their discomfort or sometimes to their hardship or sometimes to their inconvenience. God intervenes in the lives of men according to His promise for the purpose of blessing the nations. God intervenes in the life of Christ Community Church sometimes to their hardship, sometimes to their discomfort according to His promise for the purpose of blessing the people of Cherokee County. Will you make that statement personal? God intervenes in my life. Put your name. Sometimes to my hardship. Sometimes to my detriment. According to His promises for the purpose of blessing my neighbor, my brother, my sister, my father, my mother, my child, my coworker, my boss, my brother and sister that sits with me on Sunday mornings and that I see throughout the week for the purpose of blessing them. That's the message of Christmas. That's what we learn from this, this emperor who had all the authority in the world, a good chunk of it anyway, who was given the title the ruler of humanity, the illustrious one, Augustus. And he was used for God's purposes. So let me challenge you. Will you be willing to be used for God's purposes? Rejoicing because you know something that will happen. He is coming again. He will make things right. Unfairness will be brought to an end. Hardship and discomfort and inconvenience will be put away with. Because we will see Him as He is and then we will be like Him. And that's a glorious, glorious day. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank You for this morning and for Your grace and for Your love. God, I pray that You would, as we transition here in just a little bit, just continue to remind us through Your Spirit of Your goodness and Your grace. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.